Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. We finally got unofficial returns on Tuesday's election in St. Joseph County on Friday, and there was good news for Republicans in some close races. Jake Teshka defeated incumbent State Representative Ross Deal in a district that was a longtime Democratic stronghold, while GOP Representative Dale Devon narrowly held off Don Westerhausen in a rematch of their close 2018 contest. With Derek Dieter's win in the County Commission District 2 race, all three commission seats will go Republican and January. Dieter beat another former South Bend Council member, Oliver Davis. Davis unseated Democratic incumbent Dave Thomas in the primary. Deb Fleming held on to her District 3 commissioner seat in a win over Hodge Patel. Republican Commissioner Andy Castelny's seat was not on the ballot this year. Seats on the South Bend and Mishawaka school boards were also settled when Tuesday's results crystallized on Friday. In South Bend, incumbent Leslie Wesley appears to have squeaked by for re-election against former board member Bill Snydecki, who narrowly lost the seat to Wesley four years ago. In the race for two at-large seats, board president John Anella hung on to keep his seat as incumbent Rudy Monterosa came in third and will fall off the board. The new at-large member will be Jeanette McCullough, who outpolled both of them. And in the District 4 school board race, incumbent Stephanie Ball won by just 15 votes in a close contest with challenger Annette Malone. The Mishawaka School Board will have two new members after Angie Lehman and Melissa K. Johnson took the top two spots in a five-person race for two seats. In races decided earlier in the week, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb easily won re-election, as did 2nd District Congresswoman Jackie Walorski. In Michigan, Congressman Fred Upton turned back a challenge from Democrat John Hoadley. New coronavirus cases this past week shattered all previous records in Indiana and nationwide. The state's top doctor, Christina Box, says hospitalizations are at their highest level since the beginning of the pandemic. Governor Eric Holcomb remains insistent he will not move the state back in the reopening plan despite the increasing numbers. There is still a state mask mandate in place right now. Yes, but there are no real consequences for breaking it. And local health officers say a lot of people have simply forgotten about it. Today, I requested an interview with the State Department of Health to see what else they're going to do to try and bring those numbers down, but they declined. This works. One of the best tools we have. State officials were asked at a news conference why Indiana is still in stage five when COVID numbers are greater than they were in the spring. We're not in the same place as we were in the spring, and that has all to do with our capacity to care. Yet many hospitals in the state, including Elkhart counties, are full. Elkhart's chief health officer says they've been seeing a steadily increasing spike since stage five started. People just turned open and closed their mind to everything else. 
And this is the result of that. The governor says he wants to keep the economy running and pointed out that nearby states like Michigan with more restrictions are also seeing rising cases. It's not like we're open to the normal world pre-pandemic. So when I look at this, we have to choose those things that we know we're going to make an impact with. Dr. Box is referring to wearing masks, washing hands, and socially distancing. In Elkhart, the local health department is begging everyone to take these precautions. What else can you, you know, say to people to get them to do that? Because clearly they're not right now. If you hear the same message over and over again, after a while you start putting it in your brain and you start kind of using it. Mertz says before the election, many politicians were hesitant to publicly support her mask mandate because they thought it would be unpopular. She's hoping for more solidarity now, but a newly elected county commissioner said he thinks the extent of his involvement in the coronavirus pandemic is giving out information. Uh, I don't really feel that it's government's role to tell people to wear masks. Now we can recommend it, but I don't think it's, it's something that we should be mandating. The Elkhart County Health Department is going to continue to push their messaging with radio ads and mailers, but so far no talk about a stronger policy on masking. In neighboring St. Joseph County, the health department is going to keep pushing to have fines for businesses who break their mask mandate. Doctors say once new guidelines are introduced, it generally takes the public up to four years to start following them. And we're going to have a vaccine well before then. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. There are now less than two weeks until the end of the semester for Notre Dame students. University President Father John Jenkins is asking students to finish strong after an uptick in coronavirus cases. It's not what happens on campus that's the problem, but instead they're more concerned about the spread happening in apartments, dorms, and restaurants where the students are more likely to have their guard down. According to the Notre Dame Coronavirus Dashboard, the university is experiencing the most cases by day and seven-day moving average since students came back in August. Father Jenkins says many of these cases were identified through surveillance testing and that many of the students were asymptomatic and isolated right away. Through contact tracing, virus transmission happened when the students let their guard down for a short amount of time. But with the game, finals, and holidays coming up, he says students need to take more steps to contain the virus. We must recognize that not wearing a mask or maintaining distance is now considerably more risky with the rapid rise of the virus than it was even a few weeks ago. Notre Dame will be doing testing before students go home for the extended winter break. And if the students test positive for the virus or if they were exposed to a person who tested positive, then they'll have to stay on campus for two weeks until they're cleared. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. Under pressure from the American Civil Liberties Union, the state of Michigan adjusted its epidemic order issued Monday to recommend but not require bars and restaurants deny entry to customers who refuse to furnish contact information. The requirement was made to help trace close contacts in the event somebody comes down with coronavirus. The first version required businesses to get the information or face legal penalties, but now they are only required to request it. 
Businesses can still refuse service to those who don't comply, but they're not required to. A state spokesperson says the order applies only to bars and restaurants. Like other states across the Midwest and the nation, Michigan has set new records for coronavirus cases this past week. How should South Bend schools spend its $220 million referendum funding that passed in May? The district paid a consulting firm to do an efficiency study, in part to get recommendations about how to spend the dollars wisely, but the district will likely face some difficult decisions. The district chose this consulting firm because of its success with Indianapolis Public Schools. IPS identified $328 million in cost-saving moves over eight years. Those eight years aren't over yet, but the early results have been promising. Indianapolis teachers saw between a 3 to 9% pay increase, which led to fewer good teachers leaving the district and better educational outcomes. That's the good news. The bad is that to do, to do the same thing for South Bend teachers, might mean closing between 5 and 15 buildings. The cumulative effect of that efficiency study indicates that we're uh, not using our funds wisely. The efficiency study found South Bend Schools is only using 63% of its buildings. The district also has $117 million in deferred building maintenance which makes more sense when they explained that district buildings are 42% older than the national average. The consultants were quick to point out that they were merely offering suggestions, but one of those suggestions turned heads. If you were to close but maintain 15 buildings, that would save about 2.9 million annually. Mm -hmm. um, what was your reaction to that? It's a waste of other people's money to put them into buildings that aren't being fully utilized. South Bend Schools Board Chair John Anella is quick to point out that the district's Focus 2018 campaign closed or repurposed five buildings, saving roughly $7 million annually. But he does recognize that the district should be using more like 80 to 90% of its buildings, not 63%. And one of the consultants revealed the district has been looking at closing buildings, even before the study. We understand that the district has in the past at least looked at perhaps five to eight buildings um, that, uh, that they're taking a hard look at. But board member Stuart Green says he's focused on what's best for the health of the community and that he won't make decisions just based on what makes the most financial sense. You have to be really cautious to close schools can really wreak havoc for, for a neighborhood. The district currently spends about 45% of its yearly operating budget on its buildings. And board members repeatedly said their goals were to divert more money to the classroom. Main priority is raising teacher pay. One of the key observations of the efficiency study conducted on Indianapolis public schools a few years ago, retaining good teachers is vital for turning around a district. We've lost about 16% of our teachers since 2018. You know, we in the end pay for that. So the idea is to increase the dollars going into the classroom and decrease the amount spent on buildings and other non-classroom items. And the district has already been trimming the operations that don't directly help students in recent years. In the administration offices, for instance, the district went from 19 salaries costing a total of about $1.49 million in 2018 to 15 salaries costing about $1.24 million in 2020. And Green makes another point about administrative savings when he talks about Superintendent Todd Cummings' recent four-year contract extension 
that will see him through June 2025. It should be clear as well that he didn't ask for a raise when we just extended his contract. Anella says the board is set to approve the first chunk of money from the $54 million capital referendum that passed at this week's meeting. What's the stated goal for that first $9 million? There's some high priority roofs, you know, uh, heating, cooling systems, safety, security issues, technology. Now, Enel and Green both say this efficiency study is a starting point, that nothing's definite. They're both eager to get community feedback before making any of these decisions. WSBT 22's Tolly Taylor also looked at how the district handles school bus routes, drivers, and schedules. To refresh your memories, the district's stated goal is to spend less money on non-classroom items and give teachers a pay raise. Standing in the way of that is transportation, which might be the single most inefficient part of current district spending. It, it gives them a lot of uh, street credibility with the business community and such, the, the fact they're talking about this. Jeff Ray's talking about South Bend School Board being willing to have honest conversations about the results of the efficiency study. The president of the South Bend Regional Chamber of Commerce represents more than a thousand businesses in the area, and he warns that the school board's job will get harder once the district makes the small adjustments from the study that are easier. Change is often met with opposition. As the one-time Mishawaka mayor, Ray worked closely with Mishawaka schools to make difficult and often unpopular changes. Following South Bend's efficiency study, he thinks transportation could be one of those difficult issues. I, I can't imagine that we continue to operate at a cost, you know, 400 plus dollars higher than most school corporations are doing. Ray's referring to the efficiency study finding that South Bend schools spend almost $1,400 per student on transportation, while the national average per student is less than 1000 As far as transportation, you know, we struggled with that for ages. South Bend School Board Chair John Anella says he anticipated the study's findings on transportation spending. One slide in the presentation went so far as to say the single biggest step that the corporation could take to reduce its operation fund deficit is to address transportation inefficiencies. One of the suggestions for accomplishing that was to increase walk zone distances, like school districts of a similar size have done in Fort Wayne and Evansville. In some districts, if you live a mile from a school, you don't get a bus. In other districts, you might. Another slide scrutinized the number of bus drivers the district employs, which increased from 159 in 2018 to 174 in 2020. But Anella says that increase was needed. Part of that was uh, that we had a chronic bus driver shortage. So the numbers went up, but that was partly because we just didn't have enough bus drivers. Anella says the new director of transportation, Latoya King, is working with her team to assess the district's transportation needs. I think they're going to come back with some proposals. Do we need to change the school times? Uh, do we need uh, another routing system? Do we need some help with how we route? He says that while there's work to do with transportation, the district's switch to Chartwells for its food service has been a clear improvement. We're saving money in food service and actually improving service, and so that's been a win for us. These changes to transportation likely won't be quick or cheap. One slide in the presentation showed changes to bus routes could take 6 to 18 months and cost more than $5 million. Anella calls some of the accounting and office systems embarrassing because they're so antiquated. Right now, the district is using actual paper for some of its filing purposes instead of the software programs the study recommends. WSBT 22's Tolly Taylor reporting.
The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 